a staggering spike in hate crime. There may be victims at home that are fearful of going out on the street. Rising racism and the growing battle against it. Have to speak up and, and say this cannot happen. Working from home forever. There's just so many types of jobs that can be done remotely from anywhere. As more companies enter the post-office era, the potential consequences for cities. And tornado versus trampoline. I can't believe that happened in our backyard. How a Saanich family survived the rare twister. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Chris is off tonight. We begin with the continuing rise in hate crimes. Vancouver police today reported a staggering increase in cases involving racist attacks. Still, as Ramina Dea reports, we have yet to see a single charge laid in connection with any of them. Despicable acts of physical and verbal violence against the Asian community have escalated since the pandemic. I'm saddened. Disturbed and disappointed to report that despite police efforts, despite, despite engagement with community and public concern and outrage, this trend continues in the city. An ugly trend on the rise in Vancouver. 77 hate crime investigations this year alone, compared to 51 for the same duration in 2019. 29 of this year's files singling out the Asian community, compared to just four last year over the same span. An astronomical increase over 600%. Out of 29 anti-Asian hate files, six are close to conclusion, meaning charges are expected to be forwarded to Crown Council. To date, no charges have been laid in any of the cases. We have a great deal of evidence to go through, and we, we just take, it takes time. Could we use more investigators in, in my division? Certainly. It would help. Are you asking for that? I believe we have. Not enough effort to make this... Uh cases uh, uh, resolve. The Chinese Cultural Center targeted multiple times with racist graffiti since the COVID-19 outbreak. There may be result, a conviction or something, but they're going to be months after which uh, you lose that deterrence effect on, on the, uh, about the law and order. We can either do this fast or we can do it right. And it's important to us that we do it right. Surveillance cameras, additional police foot patrols, plus other measures, all in operation. Racially motivated incidents underreported. What police need now is people to come forward, victims and witnesses. Romina Dea, Global News. There has been widespread condemnation of bigotry and hate crimes, and victims themselves are speaking out. John Hua has more on a new anti-racism campaign and the message that speaking out is important. We don't care because we love food. Trixie Ling teaches others what some consider a taste of home. Can be a bridge towards acceptance for newcomers hoping for a new beginning. We really want to create this place of not just acceptance, but really belonging. But the founder of Flavors of Hope recently became a target of hate, just one of a growing number of anti-Asian crimes tied to the COVID-19 pandemic. As we got closer, he then made some really direct sexual and racist comments at me, and I just ignored him. That's when she says the young Caucasian male spat in her face. 
This is the most disrespectful, degrading thing one human being can do to another. Now the community is banding together with a new campaign to counter this hate. I've lived here my whole life. I've not encountered a single incidence of racism. And now when I go outside, I feel, oh, I need to be careful. It starts with a call out for public figures to send in a simple photo. Those pictures are then transformed into a powerful statement. I thought it was so powerful how they chose to use the masks for the pandemic, of course, and not turning a blind eye. If you see something, say something. If you hear something, do something. And it's not just community leaders and celebrities that are being asked to join. Anyone can take part in the social media campaign. Thanks to a new filter now launched on Instagram. And the message is clear during this pandemic. The focus should be on health, not hate. So we cannot let the people, the few people who are doing these racist acts, take over the story. Trixie Ling is doing just that. By taking a stand against racism, some worry has always been there. Now just being pushed to the surface by this pandemic. John Hua, Global News. And here are the latest COVID-19 numbers for our province. 18 new cases today for a total of 2,507. Sadly, we've had three more deaths, two of whom were from the Langley Lodge long-term care home. That means 155 people have now died in B.C. 41 people are in hospital, eight in the ICU. 2,042 confirmed cases have now recovered. That means there are 310 active cases in B.C. All right, let's bring in our Keith Baldry live in Victoria. Keith, let's talk about testing now. Mm. How does it break down across BC Health regions? Yeah, you know, Dr. Barney Henry gets lots of questions about testing. She has a very unique testing strategy and one she's sticking with, but it does evolve and, and change from time to time. But on a regional breakdown, it's illustrative of what we're finding out there in terms of cases. So take a look at these numbers. Fraser Health Authority, of course, being the most populous uh, region, has the most tests. That's also where the most COVID-19 tests actually are. So 46,500 is the number there. Vancouver Coastal, close behind, 36,100. And then a drop-off of almost half as we get to Interior and Vancouver Island. And in the north, just 5,000 tests. Total tests, uh, close to 128,000. That's actually up another couple of thousand, because these are yesterday's numbers. Overnight, um, close to 2,000 more tests were conducted. Now, today, the Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, outside Rideau Cottage, uh, addressed the issue of testing, saying he wants to partner with the province, at least offer resources to the province to have more testing and to engage in what's co called contact tracing, trying to find those people who are, or, or tr trace them, basically, who have been in contact with people testing positive. Here's the Prime Minister. Taking strong, collaborative action to expand testing and contact tracing is important for both Canadians and businesses to have confidence that we're on the right foot. They need to know that we have a coordinated approach to gradually reopen that is rooted in science, evidence, and the ability to rapidly detect and control any future outbreaks. Now, I talked to Health Minister Adrian Dix by phone today. He tells me that right now we have the capacity to test every day for 8,000 cases, but we're not doing that because there's just not that many people to, taste, uh, to test because they're not showing symptoms of the disease. But he's hoping we can ramp up to 20,000 test capacity a day. That's in preparation for what could be the second wave of COVID-19 in the fall, which, of course, is the beginning of influenza season. So the issue of testing will become much more acute and important in the fall. Sophie? Yeah, I'm sure we'll be busy. All right, thanks for that, Keith.
The new reality of working from home is starting to cause permanent changes to how many companies do business, with a growing number of employers telling staff to continue to work from home from now on. The pandemic could end up causing profound and wide-ranging changes to urban high-tech hubs like Vancouver. Paul Johnson reports. Are we poised to see a transformation in downtown working culture? Of the many consequences of the coronavirus pandemic, one was hitting the fast forward button on a trend that's been gathering momentum for a long time, working from home. Those types of jobs where you're sitting at a computer all day, I think almost any job like that could be done from home remotely. BC technologist and entrepreneur Ken McAllister says since the pandemic hit, he's seen companies with hundreds of employees pivot to a work from home system with unexpected speed. They were able to go completely virtual uh, in just a matter of days and they've found that their sales have increased, their productivity has increased. A lot of the employees are saying that they're enjoying working from home. Twitter made headlines when its CEO Jack Dorsey said his employees can work from home forever if they want. And here in BC, tech firm Shopify has announced they're also moving to a work from home model. This after the announcement of big plans to expand in Vancouver and take over several thousand square feet in the Bentall complex. It's unclear how much space they'll need now and how many others will follow. But stakeholders in the downtown core say vacancy rates are still low and commercial landlords are optimistic about big city workspaces. I think downtown office space is going to be robust and we're going to see everything come back to pre-COVID, although probably a little bit differently. And then there's this. As companies discover new benefits from their virtual office setups, it's likely they'll soon learn about the drawbacks as well, like the spontaneous breakthroughs that can only come from genuine FaceTime. Some of the biggest and most important uh, innovations and uh, creative um, productions over the past few years have come because people have just randomly bumped into each other at the water cooler. In Vancouver, Paul Johnson, Global News. We are getting a better picture of the huge impact the pandemic is having on retail sales. After so many businesses shut their doors in mid-March, Statistics Canada says retail sales experienced their biggest ever monthly decline, dropping 10% over March of last year. Now the agency is warning the April losses are going to be far worse. And as the first week of the province's restart comes to an end, an overwhelming number of BC businesses say not only is the reopening process going to take a long time, they're not confident they'll start breaking even anytime soon. As Jordan Armstrong reports, a new survey has found the big challenges include meeting the new safety guidelines, attracting customers and bringing back staff. For sure, it's been a long time coming. <laughs> the first dine-in supper in more than two months at Hook Restaurant in English Bay. Reopening is a lot more complicated than putting up the menu and unlocking the door. The last week and a half has been pretty hectic. I uh, was fortunate enough to have a lot of my front of house staff coming back and all of my managers coming back to work. But a new survey of more than 1,300 BC businesses found nearly 40% are struggling to bring back staff. The CERB benefits and others have created some distortions where people either are prepared to take a little bit of a pay cut 
and not work. Um, and also, there's that real anxiety that employees have around coming back to the workplace. Are they going to be safe? More than half of the businesses polled expect a full restart will take at least two months. About three quarters are concerned about having enough operating cash to meet safety standards. We made a lot of investment to kind of like adapt to the new norm. I mean, we can't close forever. We've got to try something. And that leads us to the top concern of the businesses survey. You think you're going to be able to make a profit? Uh, it's hard to say. We're operating at less than or close to half capacity. Just a quarter of businesses expect to operate at a profit. The rest worry about attracting customers and revenue. The Business Council of BC says governments could ease some of the pain by addressing tax and regulatory costs, but they warn there's no magic solution. I know people long to go back to their life in January. And I'm sorry to say, but I think that life is something that is not going to come back. We're going to have a new um, economy. We're going to have a new society. Jordan Armstrong, Global News. The provincial government is allowing wineries, breweries and distilleries to apply for licenses to temporarily expand their patios this summer to help them survive the economic downturn due to the pandemic. Those establishments can apply online to increase their service areas until October 31st. The temporary authorizations are focused on expanding a business footprint only and will not allow for any occupancy increase. Licensees must still comply with all local bylaws. There are no fees attached to these applications and the government says inspectors will conduct regular compliance inspections for applicants who are approved. Parking at Vancouver Parks and Beaches will reopen starting today now that we are into phase two of the restart pandemic plan. Parking lots were closed in mid-March in an effort to dissuade people from traveling out of their own communities and to support physical distancing. The reopening will include 7,000 stalls at parks and beaches across the city, including the roadways at Queen Elizabeth Park. Parking will remain temporarily closed at lots in Stanley Park and English Bay due to continued vehicle closures in the park and along Beach Avenue. We'll just continue to monitor physical distancing in general in both the parks and beaches and parking lots. And so rangers and park champions will be monitoring that. Well, birds of a feather really do flock together. Nursed back to health after a serious injury, how Pelly the Pelican has been reunited with his squad. New details from Nova Scotia about the gunman in last month's shocking mass murder. How a neighbor says she tried to warn authorities coming up on the news hour. Also ahead, wondering about that long lineup on Hastings Street today? How a summer tradition is stopping traffic later. Right now, though, another warning tonight for seniors about a COVID-19-related scam that's targeted more than 70 seniors in Vancouver. The seniors get a call from someone offering to help them apply for a COVID-19 government benefit for a 10% fee. What they don't know is that program is the Canadian, or pardon me, the Canada Emergency Response Benefit, which they probably don't qualify for. As a result, not only are they paying hundreds of dollars in illegitimate fees, they would probably have to pay back that benefit. Vancouver police say they believe this is an underreported fraud and anyone who receives one of these calls should hang up and report it to the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre. The centre says Canadians lost at least $1.2 million to COVID-19 fraud in March and April.
Surrey RCMP are warning the public about a high-risk sex offender who's been released into the community. 38-year-old Christian Otto Olson has been released from prison after serving time for a string of sex offenses targeting children. Police say Olson poses a high risk to reoffend. He's subject to electronic monitoring, a curfew and a string of conditions. He's not to be in the same place as anyone under the age of 16. May he is not to possess drugs or alcohol or have any access to the internet. If you see Olson in breach of any of those conditions, you are asked to call 911. Well, we can all use some good news stories these days, and here's one from the animal kingdom right here in BC. A rare bird found in rough shape last year in the interior, now back where he belongs. Linda Aylesworth reports. It is a moment, seven months, and several tens of thousands of dollars in the making. Inside the kennel, an endangered American white pelican discovered last October on a beach near Oliver. The locals there called us very concerned because this one pelican was left behind when the rest of his flock had left on their migration down to California for the winter. Wildlife Rescue Association volunteers drove six hours from Burnaby to assess the situation. The pelican was quite thin, dehydrated, there was wounds and blood and injuries, so we knew that this pelican needed help immediately. It looked like a discarded fish hook and line snagged on its wing, tearing the skin away. Rehabilitation was going to take a while. So they built Pelly, as he or she became known, a special enclosure complete with swimming pool. So not a lot of time is spent on their feet, so it was really important to keep him on the water, off his feet, so he didn't get any leg or feet injuries. Even after Pelly recovered from the wound and emaciation, the rehabilitation continued. And what we were trying to do is really hit those preconditioning release requirements. So the perching, the self-feeding, the exercise of the wings. After that, it was a matter of waiting for Pelly's flock to return to their breeding grounds on Punsey Lake in the central interior, which at long last they have. To see him flap his wings really nice and strong and... Finally, when he glided in the water, it was just really amazing to see him. It was emotional. Definitely tears, all of us. Even more tears when, like in a storybook, another pelican emerged and the two swam off together into the distance. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Well, just when we were getting used to cheaper gas. It was quite a luxury. It hasn't been that way for 20 years. Why prices are back on the rise, still to come on the news hour. Plus, Air Canada changes course on its cancellation compensation policy. What frustrated passengers can expect? Crews are on scene to a broken water main here in Vancouver that has southbound traffic blocked on Clark Drive at 12th Avenue. Sussex Insurance are your auto plan experts for insurance renewals, changes, or other ICBC transactions, all from home. Just visit sussexinsurance.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above a broken water main in Vancouver. Air Canada has made some changes to its policy of compensating travellers who lost flights to the COVID-19 pandemic. But will it be enough to quell all the criticism? Our Consumer Matters reporter Andrea is here with more. And Well, the short answer to that question, Sophie, probably not. Air Canada is certainly not alone in facing criticism for its treatment of customers whose flights have been cancelled. 
So it's revising its policy on compensation, but anyone hoping for a cash refund is going to be disappointed. Up until now, Air Canada was offering customers with cancelled flights travel vouchers that were good for 24 months. Now customers will be offered two choices. They can get a travel voucher with no expiry date, or they can convert their booking to Aeroplan miles and get 65% bonus miles. The new policy applies to customers who book travel between March 1st of this year and June 30th of next year. One of Canada's leading passenger rights advocates says it's still not nearly enough, though, and Canadians should boycott airlines until cash refunds are offered. The federal government is way too cozy with the airlines. It is not serving the public's interest. So passengers don't have a guarantee here a practical guarantee that they will get back their money. And until such time as a passenger has to uh, engage in a wild goose chase to get back their hard-earned money, they should not be giving it to those companies. Now, none of Canada's airlines are offering refunds for cancelled flights, but they are asking the federal government for financial help. At least three petitions with tens of thousands of signatures are circulating online, calling on Ottawa to force airlines to offer refunds before they get any financial aid. And if you have a consumer issue for me, there's my email address at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. All right. Thanks for that, Anne. Well, it was nice while it lasted. Relief at the pump seems to be coming to an end with gas prices in Metro Vancouver on their way back up. Over the last few weeks, gas prices were below a dollar, dropping at times to as low as 80 cents per litre as the result of piled up worldwide inventory. But drivers will keep seeing an increase in prices now as refineries adjust their output to be more in line with demand. We're starting to see a resumption uh, in demand for gasoline, and refiners are uh, very skittish. They're very nervous about uh, cranking out a lot more gasoline in the event that there is uh, a yet another second shoot to drop with respect to this pandemic. That's not to say that they're not producing, it's that the demand has come back rather dramatically. Well, it has been bumper to bumper all afternoon inside the PNE grounds. Let's take a look at what the situation is there right now. The PNE is holding its first pop-up drive-through, aimed at easing the pain of having no fare this year due to COVID-19. Today's offering is mini donuts. As Catherine Urquhart reports, there is just a bit of pent-up demand. Many donut lovers were beaming and salivating as they picked up their orders at the PNE fairgrounds. You guys excited for your donuts? Totally! Very excited. Thank you so much. Really excited for those little donuts. Yeah. There you go. Thank you so much. Enjoy this. The deep fried sugary treats are being sold Friday through Sunday from 1 to 7 p.m an effort to help concessionaires after this summer's fair was cancelled. Oh, this is great to come out. I mean, we've been waiting all year to do it, so to come down, it's fabulous. And for the PNE to put it together so quickly and be so organized about it, it's just been great. This is a, was a huge opportunity for us and, you know, just very thankful to be here. The event is proving popular. People were lined up along Hastings Street all the way to Cassiar to buy the donuts, which are $20 for 24 or $35 for 48, with orders including two tickets to the 2021 fair. 
The PNE says this is just the beginning. They have a number of other events planned this summer. Of course, this is a pretty good start. Mm. Fans of the fair could soon be able to purchase other well-liked foods in the weeks ahead. We're working through a lot of the details right now with staffing plans and with Vancouver Coastal Health and the health authorities. And there's even a chance some rides could be turned on this summer. Like maybe you can come and ride the coaster and play mini golf and grab some mini donuts on your way out. Obviously social distancing uh, lineups and we would there would probably be some masks involved. For now though, it's all about the mini donuts. Because it's fun and we what love the and do? we love mini donuts and it's, it's something to do. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Lots more ahead here on the News Hour, including chilling new details about Nova Scotia's mass shooter. And I called the RCMP and I told them what happened. The fear that drove a former neighbor to move across the country. Also ahead, drive through delivery, the little puppies destined for big things. Traffic is in good shape both ways over here at the Alex Fraser Bridge, but do keep in mind overnight maintenance causes lane closures every night from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. For 47 years, Kermat Collision and Autoglass has provided unmatched superior customer service and satisfaction. With 18 lower mainland locations, there's a Kermac in your neighborhood. Visit Kermac.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Alex Fraser Bridge. Global News has uncovered new details about the man who killed 22 people in Nova Scotia last month. They come from a former neighbor who says she tried to have authorities investigate evidence of the killer's weapons collection and assaults against his common-law partner. Ross Lord reports. Brenda Forbes says she saw distressing signals from the Nova Scotia gunman long before he murdered 22 people. First, Gabriel Wartman showed Forbes and her husband his growing weapons collection. Then, Wartman's common-law partner visited them in tears. She come over crying, saying that Gabriel was beating her up and wouldn't let her leave. Forbes says years later, in 2013, three men saw him choking that same partner. One of the witnesses, the gunman's uncle, Glenn Wartman, confirmed that assault this week to Global News. One of the other guys stepped up and tried to interfere. But Forbes says the victim told them to stop or they'd make it worse. And I called the RCMP and I told them what happened. After investigators asked if any witnesses would provide a statement, she says she went to the gunman's uncle, Glenn, and got a chilling response. He said, no way because Gabriel's already told me that he's killed somebody in the United States. He'll kill me if I say anything. The Mounties have said they're investigating one American angle, how the gunman acquired some of his illegal weapons from the U.S. Asked if they're investigating any connection to possible murders there, a spokesperson says members are investigating every possible investigative avenue. But the RCMP says its files contain no record of any complaint from Forbes. She says the gunman became a threat to her. He would drive up to my house, park outside, stare at the house for a good half hour, and then leave. Out of fear for their lives, she and her husband left Portapique. They now live in Alberta. Police say the killer's rampage started with him assaulting and confining his partner who escaped. Advocates say the issue of male violence against women needs to be included in any public inquiry. And it could be used as a national uh, framework as well 
to change policing and hopefully to change um, bystanders, you know, and how they view uh, this crime because Brenda told a lot of people in the community and they didn't believe her or dismissed it. Forbes says since she went public, people from the Portapec area are phoning to apologize for ignoring her courageous efforts. Ross Lohr, Global News, Halifax. The pilot of the Snowbirds jet that crashed in Kamloops on Sunday was honoured by a group of supporters today. Captain Richard McDougall, accompanied by his family, came out of the Royal Inland Hospital in a wheelchair today to watch an Indigenous drum circle held in his honour. McDougall ended up on the roof of a house after ejecting from the CT-114 Tudor jet shortly after takeoff. Captain, Je- Ca- Captain Jennifer Casey, the Snowbirds' public affairs officer, also ejected but did not survive. The worldwide health care crisis has even affected how volunteers picked up assistance dogs in training today. This is Scooby. A litter of eight golden retriever puppies was born a couple of days after closures began in B.C. due to the pandemic. Today, the Pacific Assistance Dog candidates were ready to go to the homes of volunteers who will begin to help train them. Physical distancing measures meant the pickup was done drive through style. Like all other nonprofits right now, PADS is relying even more on donations to maintain their operations. It feels very weird, but at this time, I guess that we have to do that, but... Um, yeah, it's very different. You just drive up and somebody chucks a puppy in your car. Yes, yes. (laughs) How cool is that? Very cool. Yeah, this will be our first uh, drive-through puppy pickup. Our dogs provided at no cost to the clients, so it's it's really critical that we continue to get the support from the community so we can we can continue to (laughs) move through this move through this pandemic. PADS breeds, raises, and trains fully certified assistance dogs to provide independence to those living with physical disabilities. Well, we do get some strange weather here on the West Coast, but this was no typical spring scene. People in Saanich are still talking about that rare tornado that sent a trampoline flying. What the family says about their close call next. And later in the middle of the pandemic, the one business that's actually booming. It's a favorite retro arcade game, and a Saskatoon man just joined a pretty exclusive club. We'll have details for you after Christie's forecast. But just before the forecast, a Saanich mother is telling her family's harrowing ordeal tonight. She and her two small boys suddenly found themselves running for their lives yesterday, when out of nowhere, a rare tornado touched down on their home and ended up tossing their trampoline. Here's Brad McLeod. The tornado suddenly becomes visible as it sucks up dirt from the Saanich ball diamond. But an unsuspecting mom and her two young boys are playing in that house's backyard. Like I didn't have enough time to really think about anything other than grab the boys, turn around into the corner by our house and uh, just kind of take shelter. It happened fast. Just moments before, the boys were playing in the sun with an ominous cloud coming. We sort of tucked in uh, right beside these doors here. But after it passed, they noticed something was missing. Their trampoline. Seen flying across this security camera footage from the neighbor across the street. And then I said there was a real tornado. (laughs) (laughs) Teresa Harding thought her grandson was kidding. A tornado on the island? 
But Dad, Keith Harding saw something being tossed into the air and told everyone to take cover in the basement. A local meteorologist couldn't help but travel to where the tornado took place. He says it was relatively low on the enhanced Fujita scale, classified as a zero, but... Still 105 kilometers an hour uh, threshold there, uh, was so tightly wound that it did not pick up a trampoline that was next door to the one that was in the backyard that did get picked up. The trampoline where it landed was about 100, 150 meters away from that uh, initial takeoff position. Neighbors helped return the pummeled trampoline from the intersection where it landed. It didn't land on anybody, like how crazy that it didn't hit anything, uh, yet it flew down the street. The young family, grateful they weren't hurt, and they weren't on the trampoline at the time. Like how would I have gotten off that quickly? We have the safety netting around there and um, to unzip it and get the boys out. Like I, I don't know that there would have been that time because it was really it happened so fast. Watching it on video afterwards was really surreal. It was like I can't believe that happened in our backyard. Brad McLeod, Global News, Saanich. Well, they'll remember that day for a long time to come. All right, let's check in with Christy Gordon for a look at our forecast. The Fujita scale, Christy. I it's a new scale to me. That's right. The enhanced Fujita, yes. That is, it is, uh, um, it is the scale that they use for uh, tornadoes. Sophie, I wanted to mention that there was a couple of meteorologists that were joking about, uh, can you believe that potentially the first tornado that we've seen of the season happened in BC and on Vancouver Island? There have been some unconfirmed reports of some uh, tornadoes so far this season in Alberta, but they're unconfirmed. So technically we could say that we had the first tornado of the season. That's very rare. All right, I wanna show you the uh, snowfall that we did see on parts of a higher elevation. So uh, the connector saw snowfall today. So did the Kootenai region. Uh, we are going to see this intense low over Alberta finally push out. It is spreading showers across the province. Tomorrow, a chance of showers in the morning, but for the most part, tomorrow's looking pretty nice before that next system pushes on shore. North coast will see it Saturday and the south coast will see it on Sunday. So it's, tomorrow's not looking too bad, although we'll see a bit more cloud. I want to point out this though. Yes, we've got heat on the way. If you like heat, everyone, late next week, it's looking pretty good. There's your Saturday forecast. So rain across the north coast but most other regions will see a mix of sun and cloud with just a slight chance of showers so a pretty nice Saturday for the south coast region I have put a few drops in the icons because we could see that especially through the east Fraser Valley region Sunday though certainly looks to be the wettest of the bunch still unsettled early next week but late next week things really turn around and here's your weather window I'm pretty sure Sophie this little guy is saying hey is that the weekend is that the weekend oh he's stoked how about you? <laughs> it is the weekend, and we are stoked. Thank you, Christy. <laughs> a Saskatoon man is one of only a handful of people in the world known to have played the perfect Pac-Man game. <laughs> Greg Secundiak became just the second Canadian ever to post a perfect Pac-Man score of 3,333,360. But what Sekundiak achieved is far from easy. He says passing the first part of the game takes about 35 minutes. Then it's three hours of straight play called crossing the desert because it's so hard. Then when you hit level 256, the game suffers a memory overflow error, only showing half of a functioning screen. However, once Sekundiak finally finished the first thought, to cross his mind was one he knew, he never knew he'd experience. It took me uh, four hours, 23 minutes, and 28 seconds. You have to eat 
every dot, every power pellet, every ghost when the when the ghost when the ghost turned blue, and you have to do it 256 times. It was exhausting. Like, but I didn't. I was just like, man, I'm so glad I don't have to play this anymore. <laughs> Pac-Man debuted in Tokyo 40 years ago and has since become the most successful arcade game of all time. I think he should try Frogger next. What were the names? Donkey the Kong. <laughs> yeah. What was that? What was the name of the ghost? Oh. Inky, Binky, Pinky, and Clyde? Clyde, yes. One was Clyde, I know that. Clyde was the <laughs> sneaky one? I don't know what he was. They all looked the same to me. I have no idea how you guys remember that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Spent far too many time, too much time in our childhood playing arcade games, I guess. All right, uh, Squire, a lot of people wanting to golf this week, and we'll talk about that, and? Yes, there are a lot of people who want to golf, and those courses are packed. We'll talk about that. Oh, and the Seattle Seahawks have brought in a veteran running back. And there's Hyde. Bumps into his own man, but then gets in the end zone. Carlos Hyde, who's bounced around the NFL, is... Uh, Signed up with the Hawks as just a bit of a safety valve for them. Also ahead in satellite debris. Dear neighbor, who's trying to make it as a DJ? A love letter to noisy neighbors during COVID-19. <laughs> and the saga of whether we'll have hockey continues. <laughs> well, you know, we're getting closer. Uh, the NHL Players Association has apparently finished voting on the owner's idea of a 24-team playoff to restart the NHL season this summer. No word yet on the official vote count, but there are rumors that say it should pass. But even if the players say yes, there are a whole bunch of other things that have to be worked out, such as where they're going to play these games and when they're going to play these games. The uh, Seattle Seahawks have signed veteran running back Carlos Hyde to a one-year, $4 million deal. This means the Seahawks will not be bringing Marshawn Lynch back. Uh, Hyde is in Seattle for safety reasons after both Chris Carson and Rashad Penny got hurt last year in their backfield. He's 29, but he is coming off his best year ever on the ground, over 1,000 yards rushing in Houston. And former Super Bowl MVP quarterback Joe Flacco, who led the... Uh, Ravens to the 2013 championship has signed a one-year deal with the Jets to be a backup to Sam Darnold. Flacco is 35. He's coming off a neck injury, also a very bad season with Denver where he was 2-6 and six as a starter with the Broncos. Well, golf is a sport. When you think about it, it really is built for social distancing. Since most players aren't good enough to hit the ball straight every time, the players are spread all over the fairway on most holes. They don't see each other until they get back to the green. They've added a few more precautions on golf courses locally so people would feel safe again. And once they did, there were a lot of players ready to return. Business is booming. During a pandemic, that's saying something. Golf with its wide open spaces has been one activity where people can safely come together yet stay apart. Even with about 100 golf courses available in Greater Vancouver, getting a tee time has been rough. Uh, generally, they start calling at 7 a.m. and by about 7.15, we're, uh, we're sold out for each day. You can start phoning at 7 a.m., but by the time you get through, times are a little tough, especially for the ladies, because we only have a certain amount of time. But um, I've met quite a few ladies and I've gotten golfing with them, and, and now you know they'll phone me and say, hey, we've got a time, and so I join up with them. Social networking has its rewards. 
Now, whether it's online or by telephone, tea times vanish quickly, although there is a solution. The membership has its privileges, and, and our uh, members uh, have a much larger booking window than general public. You know, our members have a 30-day uh, booking window. Um, public has a 7-day booking window. Of course, all of the courses have special rules in place, something golfers have adapted to. Well, I have seniors and a father in a care home, so I'm extra cautious, and I didn't come out to the first month they were open just because... I have to worry about my family first, but now that we know and we know how to take care of ourselves, I think, uh, I think it's working really well. Even though green fee traffic is way up for all courses, they are missing out on banquets and tournaments, which are very lucrative. But with more people getting back to golf, the hope is they'll keep coming back once food and beverage services get back on par. The influx of, uh, what I say, new blood to the game and... Uh that's been a, a positive experience of these really tough times. It's been reintroduced and, and uh, reawakened uh, the love of golf in, in a lot of people, I think. See, it's back. There you go. All right, thanks, Squire. Uh, Jada Rand is here now with a look ahead to Global News at 11, including breaking COVID-19 news. Yeah, thank you, Sophie. Fraser Health has declared an outbreak at the Nature's Touch frozen fruit processing plant in Abbotsford. Five employees have tested positive for COVID-19. We'll have more on that tonight. And we're keeping an eye on the situation in Cache Creek, where a local state of emergency has been declared due to flooding. Hundreds of people are on evacuation alert. And it appears there's quite a bit of pent-up demand for some retail therapy to help us get through the pandemic. These are some of the uh, big box stores that reopened this week. The lineups were pretty big today, all those stores and more when you join us tonight at 11. So. All right, thanks for that, J.D. Stick around. It's Friday. That means satellite debris. All right, it is time to take a moment to recognize one of your BC healthcare heroes. And tonight we are thanking Katie McAllister, nominated by her proud mom, Kim. Katie is an RN at Nanaimo Regional General Hospital. Back in mid March, she was advised her floor would be partially emptied and had been assigned to take stable, undiagnosed respiratory patients as keeping them in emergency was no longer sustainable. Each time a COVID-19 test comes back negative on her unit, there have been high fives and big sighs. And while acute care nursing is already a stressful job, Katie has also had to deal with some personal disappointment. Due to COVID-19, her wedding had to be rescheduled and she also had to have surgery postponed. Katie, your mother says you are her healthcare hero and we thank you for all you are doing. If you have a healthcare hero you'd like to tell us about, send us an email, bchealthcareheroes at globalnews.ca. Send us some details about your nominee and of course a couple of pictures. All right, Squire, what do you have for us? Well, very quickly, I was going to say this. The NHLPA has just said they have voted to keep on talking to the owners about the 24-team playoff. We'll learn more as the weekend goes along. Okay, first of all, a commercial about how to feed babies.
wonder how many takes that took. Considering all the mess, maybe just one. Uh, oh, Bose, you mentioned this earlier, the noise-canceling headphones quarantine commercial. Dear neighbor, who listens to the same song on loop all day. Dear neighbor, who practices the accordion every morning at six. Dear neighbor, who's obsessed with her nine-speed citrus pro juicer. Who really, really thinks she can sing. Who only vacuums after midnight. Dear neighbor, who's trying to make it as a DJ. Who just discovered home workouts. Dear neighbor, who only watches war movies with surround sound. I just want to say, I'm glad to hear you're okay. I didn't see that coming. And an old favorite from Geico. Jed Clampett, a poor mountaineer barely keeping his family fed, when in the summer of 63, he was shooting at some food, becoming a millionaire overnight. Soon afterward, he loaded up his truck and moved to Beverly Hills. I was suspicious of this whole Texas tea theory. A new investigation reveals that in the summer before Jed moved away from there, he switched his car insurance to Geico, saving a substantial sum of money. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. That's a good point. I didn't think about that. All right, fresh out of time. Uh, get your pots and pans ready as we head into the weekend. Mm -hmm. And a salute to our healthcare heroes. Seven o'clock cheer. Have a good night, everyone.